What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Welcome to Financials Podcast, Future Rich. My name is Barbara Ginty, and I am your host, and I am also a CFP, which stands for a Certified Financial Planner. And I'm very excited to have my guest here, Tanya. Hi, Tanya. Hello. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's warm outside. Good time <laughs> to talk about money. It's a great time to talk about money. Um, and I have to tell you, I binged uh, the show over the weekend, all the episodes that were up. And so... You are the host of the uh, season two, um, Going From Broke, which is on Crackle, which I might add is a great money hack because it's free. Yeah, like free entertainment. Of, yeah, like some of the, uh, unlike some of the other uh, streaming networks. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit, I figured we could start with your background and then get into the Going From Broke show. So could you maybe give our listeners um, an overview of your background? Yes, and I'm the co-host. I would be remiss if I did not acknowledge my fantastic co-host, Dan Rotzenswag. Uh, so yeah, I've been a financial educator since 2013. I got started in financial education pretty much out of necessity, out of realizing that a lot of my peers weren't necessarily making the right decisions when it came to money. They didn't feel comfortable advocating for raises or asking for what they felt they were worth in the workplace. And there was this gap in financial education between people who wanted to live like very full lives while still achieving their financial goals and those who were willing to do whatever it took. Um, and I realized that I was um, one of those people who still wanted to live life while achieving my financial goals, which is why it's called My Fab Finance, because we don't do deprivation as a financial freedom strategy. We just figure out how everything pieces together. And I've been teaching financial education, you know, for the past, goodness, eight years now. Wow, it's crazy. Uh, for the past it eight years. Fast, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. Um, and the impact, you know, it's definitely impacted the lives of others, but changed my life too and changed how I relate to my finances, changed how I relate to my family's finances and the needs um, and how I anticipate financial needs going forth. It's fantastic. And so what were you in finance before you started the site or was this a total pivot for you? Like a total Absolute pivot. Um, my undergraduate degree was public administration and my master's degree is in urban policy and affairs. Oh and my gosh, so this is prior, a total change. Total change. So prior to going into the field of financial education, I worked in nonprofit in the nonprofit mm -hmm. sector, um, primarily as a coordinator of outreach or community initiatives. So I started out in Brooklyn and then went to an organization where I spearheaded foreclosure prevention and education outreach throughout the city of New York. So mm -hmm. I came from a, it, it's a complete pivot, but not because I've yeah, always been you were already working with people. change agent work. It's yeah. just the manner in which it was done. And I've always was doing community education. It's just more focused on finances now. That makes sense. Wow, that's interesting. Um, and so we talk a lot about on the podcast side hustles and 
you know, obviously that's a good way you can either spend less or make more with, so with side hustles with spending more and a lot of the listeners are interested in entrepreneurship. So what do you think, obviously uh, pivot and start at your own business. What's been one of the best parts of being an entrepreneur and what's been one of the hardest parts, would you say? I would say the best part of being an entrepreneur is managing my own schedule, kind of um, figuring out what I want to do. I was in Dominican Republic last week. I'm going into Loom next week and mm. I can kind of, I can work from wherever I want to work and I can say, no, I'm not taking these things on. I'm taking some time out for myself. So that's one of the best things about it. Um, I have a two-year-old and so being able to be present for him being in the house, which I think this past um, pandemic, you know, a lot of people got the opportunity to work from home and be around their children more. Uh, some people might see it as an opportunity and privilege and some people are raising the kids to go back to school. Right. Um, but that, that's been one of the benefits in really controlling my own, my income potential. The sky is a limit. I don't have to go to somebody and ask for a raise. I you know, decide, okay, these are my income goals. What are we gonna do to get there? Let's get there. So that is one of the benefits, but I would say the drawbacks of entrepreneurship is you know it's a lot of pressure you are required to make so many decisions on a regular basis and decisions that impact the lives of others not just your life and so it, it's very you can't just sit in the passenger side and say okay whatever happens happens if you're in the driver's seat and yep. you're making a lot of decisions on a regular basis and sometimes that can be heavy um uh and you you take a lot of responsibility um and then i found that even sometimes financing getting financing for things. Me and my husband just bought our first home last year. We're in the process of purchasing our first investment property. Thank you. Um, and the financing, even though we make more than some people make at their jobs, people we know who qualify for significantly more, mm -hmm. they are hesitant to give entrepreneurs um, the similar financing options because of um, their concern, you know, well, it's going to be inconsistent, which yeah. I find it really ironic because you could easily lose your job, but banks prefer a W-2 and you easily lose your job. And like, I know what's coming days. down the pipeline with, with yeah. my business. I'm like, okay, cash flow is going a little short or like, okay, what does our runway look like? Let's get to work. Whereas if you're working for someone, you have no idea what's going on. So, but I would say the financing and the stigma that's attached to entrepreneurs um, has been one of the challenges as well. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I think that's one thing that's overlooked because you can, as you said, you can make a lot more money. You're hundred percent control of your income. But yeah, when you go to a bank, they're like, oh, you're an entrepreneur. We're not sure about this, but, and I, I could see that like historically, you know, like my grandfather worked for IBM and he worked there his entire career. You got one job and you stayed there till you retired. So I could see back then where the bank would prefer, you know, a W2, but nowadays like people get laid off and then could be rehired six months later when, you know, there's all sorts of things going on. So I, I agree right. it's not as stable to say that you have a W2, which is why we talk so much about entrepreneurship and side hustles and living, you know, within your means. But yeah, that is an interesting part of it. I think I warn people about when they go full-time to entrepreneurship is getting financing is just not impossible. Just they want a lot more documentation. It's a very different beast. It, <laughs> it is, they want everything. They literally want everything. I know. It's like, do you want to come and visit? Do you want to do like a home site like visit so that you feel more comfortable with this? You want to shadow me? See what I do? Like, do you want to <laughs> like just confirm it's legitimate that I make money? Like, do you, yeah. do you want to do that? Yeah. So, but I mean, I still wouldn't give it for, you know, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I often joke that I'm unemployable because I, have been working for myself for the past six years and I just can't see myself going back. Yeah, I think that once you make the leap and you can make it work and you, and now I, I would say, I, I kind of always thought the magic number was around like 
three to five years where you're like, okay, this is definitely what I want to do. And I think after that point, it's like the point of no return. Like you can't go back and work for somebody. Right. Um, so what would you do? What would you say to somebody if they were wanting to make the switch to entrepreneurship? We just talked about like all the benefits of it, but if you could had to give them one piece of advice, what would it be? I would say um, get a coach or a good mentor, someone who can help you kind of navigate getting started and building on what you start because you can make a lot of mistakes and use there's a lot of information out there and all information is the information that pertains to you and the great thing about a coach is it can kind of help you cut through some of that noise and analyze your specific situation and figure out what's best for you based on what your goals are so sometimes it's going to take an investment but it really can save you money in the long run because you're not just going to be you know trying this and trying that and trying this you're actually going to create a plan and I think with entrepreneurship, that's the important thing. The plan will change, like yes. it will change, but it's important to have one going forth and have a solid one. And that's one of the things that an established mentor or coach who has done this repeatedly can help you do. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Sometimes you have to spend money to make money. And yeah, it's definitely an investment. It's absolutely positively an investment. Well, um, I feel like that segues really nicely into the show, which I binged over the weekend. Um, and actually my boyfriend was like, I don't, he's not as into personal finance. I'm trying to like train him to be as interested into this because it's 24 seven for me. And he was like, I'm going to go downstairs and watch something else. And then we started the show and he stayed and watched it. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm glad it held his attention. I heard it the thing. My dad called. He's like, it was really, it was good. Like I watched the entire, it kept it held my attention. I was like, what did you think it was gonna be, Dad? Yeah, I feel like that's something my dad would say too. Um, <laughs> but it was great. So I watched a bunch of them over the weekend, which I said you can find them on Crackle and you're the co-host. Um so do you want to kind of give the listeners from your perspective an overview of the show? Yeah, it's funny because um my co-host Dan, he got a message this weekend. Someone said it's like a courteous and respectful bar rescue. Um, <laughs> that and, is exactly what my boyfriend, he loves bar rescue. He's like, this is like bar rescue, but for your finances. And I was like, Yeah. yeah. So that's essentially what it is. Um, no, but we had the opportunity to work with um four individuals, two couples over the course of I think it was about six weeks, four to six weeks where we identified, they were drowning in debt. They pretty much were hopeless when it came to the finances and needed help just organizing and piecing it together and creating the plan, um, which the plan going back, a plan is so important. So we helped them identify areas of their life where they could cut back on spending, opportunities for them to generate more and had to help them gain clarity on what to do next. Because the thing about having debt, especially if you have a lot of it is you just don't know where to start. Yeah. Or if you have debt and savings goals and in a business, you don't know what you should be focusing on first. And a lot of people aren't able to take up, take off off the ground because they're so focused on, they're focused on too many things instead of the things that matter. And so, you know, in the show, we work with everyone from a young woman who recently graduated from college and is making more money than anyone her family ever has made, but she's put her family on her back. And because of that, she can't get ahead financially. Uh, we have another person, he was impacted by the pandemic and was this world renowned um, concert pianist traveling around the country. And then when in-person events stopped, so did his income and he kind of floundered and couldn't figure out how to replace that income, but he was spending at the same rate as when he was bringing it in. Um, and then we also have this wonderful couple who um, they had a, one of their children has a illness that requires hospitalization, hospitalization um, regularly. And, um, you know, they, because of that, they have a lot of hospital debt, 
yeah. medical debt on top of student loan debt. And they just are really trying hard. And that's the thing. I think that the beauty, beauty about this show is it demonstrates that a lot of people in this country who are in financial situations that aren't ideal, mm -hmm. it isn't necessarily because of their doing. They did what they thought was right. They went to college, they're, yeah. they're hard workers, but the numbers still aren't adding up and they're trying to figure out how to get ahead, even though they feel like they did everything right. Uh, and I think that a large majority of people in this country find themselves in that position. And so one of the beautiful things about this show is I think that everybody can see themselves in at least one of the characters or at least one of our cast members. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you filmed all of this during the pandemic. Yes, we filmed it all during the pandemic. We were able to film the final scenes, our reveals, like when we got the final numbers and everything in person um, because we were we all were vaccinated and um, everyone felt comfortable. I actually got COVID the week before we started taping. You did? Yes, I did. I got COVID the oh week before we started taping. And so um, by the and time- were you better in a week? I, I was fortunate to have a relative, a, a mild case of it. Okay. Like by the time I realized it was COVID, I was like five, six days in. Oh, wow. Um, and yeah, so it was, I, I'd never had a fever, any, like I sent, I lost my sense of smell and taste. And that was like, oh, this is not allergies. Um, <laughs> but um, we were able to tape um, our last scenes in person. So it was kind of like, it was wonderful because we've gotten to know each other. I even interviewed for the position virtually so oh, i interviewed wow. with dan and ashton and the team virtually so when i finally met them in person that was my first time actually meeting them oh that's crazy a unique yeah. environment huh with covid yeah and I we also, all work. yeah and i also feel like with covid it probably pushed for a, even maybe not the guest on the show but for other people watching i really feel like it pushed how important your finances are to the uh to the front and center absolutely i think that our generation will forever be impacted kind of how um, when people talk about the generation that was impacted by the Great Depression, mm -hmm. um, I, our generation will also be reminded of there can we have personal emergencies and then there's global emergencies right. that can literally happen out of nowhere and that can impact your finances. Um, so it, I think it definitely, definitely um, highlights the reason or highlights the need to um, properly plan for your financial future and plan for any unforeseen events. Yeah, because I've actually had someone, I've multiple people say to me, like, well, I don't, I, there's would be no emergency I would have. Like, I'm single and like, and I'm like, well, well, this is a perfect example because the world just had an emergency. So, yeah, for someone, I mean, I, I you know, I'm, I'm all about financial humility to assume <laughs> that they won't ever have any emergency because that's bold. Yeah, it, it really is. And, you know, whether it's a personal emergency, whether it's a familial emergency. Um, my hope is that most people won't experience one, but it's always good to be prepared financially just in case. Yeah, absolutely. Was there a favorite episode that you would, if you had to pick one? I think they're all favorites for different reasons. I mean, I really, really loved our cast. I, I, I loved all of them. Um, I think that, you know, with Enam and Carlin, that was a very special episode. Definitely had all of us crying. Um, that was a very special episode because of um, the turnaround and everything that happened for them. They really worked hard. We're talking about moving. Um, they, 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 they made big changes, big changes, like big life changes that like, we're talking relocation changes in order to reach their financial goals. 
Um, so I would say their episode definitely is one of my favorites because they're very deserving and they, they, they got a much needed um, opportunity. Fantastic. Just in case someone only has time to watch one, although I feel like you should watch all of them. You should watch all of them because Chelsea and Jake are awesome. I really loved our couples. I loved our individuals, but I loved our couples. They were just so sweet and so loving. You're just like, why is this happening to them? You know? Um, so I really loved our couples, but I mean, Isabel, Tina rocked it. It's so hard to choose yeah. a favorite because one thing I can say about everyone is they did the work. They made sure that it, they took advantage of Dan, myself, the mm -hmm. resources. We had Gary Vaynerchuk as a guest. We had Ashton come in as a special guest, Lynn Richardson, um, Rachel Cruz, who's um, of the Dave Ramsey. Um, His daughter, um, right? Yeah, she's Dave Ramsey's daughter. We had so many amazing people come in to support them, and they really made good use of that. They took Everybody. advantage of all those experts. Everybody did, yeah. Because I was gonna say, one of the big things is having the motivation to make the change, right? Because as you said, you have to do hard work to make a significant change. So I felt like you did a great job motivating people. So anyone who's watching this podcast and has to make a change, you have some motivational words for them. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, the beautiful thing about creating change in your life is that you have the power to do it. Um, even if you feel like everything's stacked against you, there's at least one thing you can do to change your situation. Even if that's just thinking differently, even that's reading a little piece of literature or something like that. Um, so you are your best tool and take advantage of that because you don't have to ask permission to utilize yourself as a tool right. and it's small changes can create big impacts. And so I would just say that just remember how powerful you are and that you are your greatest tool and no one can take you away from you. Right. I do. I wanted to say one, uh, you said one thing in one episode that I really, really liked. Um, you were like, you have to get to a strong no game. <laughs> no game is strong. Yeah, the no game is okay, but I totally butchered it. I'm sorry. Um, I was like, wow, that's so important. Cause I think that's, that that is one rabbit hole that people go down. You know, I hear often people say, well, but I want to be able to go out to dinner with my friends or I want to be able to do this with my friends and now I'm on a budget and I can't participate or my family expects certain things of me and I like the one uh, episode. So I thought that was a really important piece of advice that you you gave. You know, yeah. And even and with the no game, it's something that you develop over time. You start to develop the courage and the understanding that um, my goals come first. And it, it's almost a, it's almost somewhat of a it's being selfish in a certain regard, especially when it comes to boundaries um, and setting those around you for other people and just telling them, no, I'm working towards my financial goals. This does not align with what I am trying to do right now. But also I would say that it's important to have an understanding of what you're sacrificing for. Yeah. And so, you know, like in Isabel's case, for example, Isabel wants to pay off an $180,000 parent plus loan. So when she says no to something, it's because I have this $180,000 debt that I'm trying to eliminate in a remarkable amount of time so that I can move on with my life and actually do things that I really love doing. And that's what's at stake. So when the no game is supported by an understanding of what you have at stake, even myself, um, I, my no game is strengthened by knowing what I'm working towards. So me and my husband are working towards purchasing our first property. So someone can ask me, Hey, Tanya, you want to do this? Or, you know, I get a, it's a sale in my inbox. And it's like, 
No, because we're using our money towards buying an investment property. So no, uh, but yeah, no game is strong. Dan insists that my no game is stronger than his, but I've seen Dan's in action and his is pretty strong too. Yeah, that was one of my favorite, one of my favorite lines from you when I was watching. <laughs> um, so let's see here. I wanted to ask you a couple more questions. Um, so we talk a lot about the change. If I think we talked about how usually what happens is people get down this rabbit hole and there's so many different things and what direction should they go in? So how do, for people who are listening who weren't on the show, because the people on the show get the help, right? How do you prioritize what you're going to do and how do you focus? And you have all of this access that other people don't have. So someone who's watching who feels, you know, like they're in a similar position, if they were going to change one or two things in their finances, what do you think it should be? From a general um, I would say changing your finances determined is should be determined by what your goals are, what your you know, I I look at it as like what's your one year goal? Is your one year goal to improve your credit score? Is your one year goal to pay off your debt? Is your one year goal to buy a house? Because that's going to inform what the most important thing is that you need to do. And that's what you need to look at. There's a lot of things that people want to do when it comes to their finances. People want to invest in cryptocurrency. People want to, um, you know, build their savings. People want to boost their credit score. And those things can be done, but you need to figure out what's the most important thing that pertains to what your financial goal is for that year. So if your goal is to become debt-free, then that's what we need to focus on. Yes, I want you to put money aside in savings, but as far as what you're going to get aggressive with, it's going to be aggressively using anything that you have to pay down your debt. But if your goal is to save a significant amount of money, say for a down payment or something um, like that, then your goal would be to aggressively save. You wouldn't necessarily be focused on your credit score or investing because you're in saving mode. So my biggest tip is figure out what's most important for you for the year and what's going to help you accomplish that thing. But the great thing about financial habits and financial behaviors is they don't happen in a vacuum. So you can be working towards building your credit and most likely you're going to end up paying down debt in the process. Yeah. Or you can be working towards buying a home and you're going to be saving money, but you're probably going to be improving your credit score in the in the process. So it doesn't happen in a vacuum, but determine what's most important for you this year and how you get there. That's what you need to do because what a lot of people look at is, oh, I want to do this in five years and I want to do this in three years. And by next year, I want to do this. Cool. But what do you want to do this year? Because let's start there. Right. Because you have to pick a starting point. I think that people get overwhelmed with like, where do I start? So I think that's mm -hmm. great advice. So focus on narrow down what you want for this coming year and then tackle that first. Yes. Perfect. Well, I always like to ask as kind of a roundup, what is your uh, favorite personal finance book? So if someone really wanted to get into personal finance. I feel like we all have our favorite books. So I'm always interested to hear what everyone else's is. Yeah, so my favorite book actually is sitting on my desk. Oh, perfect. It is the One Page Financial Plan by Carl Richards. Um, that is my favorite personal finance book. Um, it's like my personal finance Bible. It just simplifies creating your financial plan. I love Carl Richards. I love he draws like the diagrams and everything else. So that's my, actually my favorite personal finance book. Perfect. Well, I guess I'll say for our listeners, they should absolutely check out the show. You can learn a lot um, by watching the show. They should read absolutely. The yeah, watch the show, read the book. Um, and I really appreciate you coming on the show. And for our listeners, where can they find more um, about you? I feel like you should maybe tell us about your website so they could go there too. Absolutely. So my website is myfab. That's F-A-B as in book 
finance.com. Um, you can find us at MyFab Finance on Instagram. We're very active there, Twitter, Facebook. If you ever feel like you just need those reminders to get your financial stuff together, we do that daily on Instagram. And then my personal platforms are linked within my Instagram bio for MyFab Finance because I have my own platform where I talk about, you know, at the end of the day, now that I've established myself in personal finance, my goal is to live a life of alignment and ease. And so I talk about a lot about that, what alignment looks like for me um, as an entrepreneur, someone who owns two businesses and is a mother. Um, so you can find me at Tanya, T-O, Tanya with an O, N-Y-A dot Rapley. Great. Well, thank you so much. And everyone will link to your website and also to Crackle Going From Broke. So all of our listeners, I hope you check it out. And Tanya, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Barbara. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.